0: I'll tell you what's wrong with the world today. All these do-gooders out there trying to fix the world's problems by thinking happy thoughts. It's like I was telling my ex- enemy is so toxic, isn't he? You know, John tells us that all he wants to do is steal, kill, and destroy. That's his mission. Steal, kill, and destroy all that you and I hold dear in your life. Everything you love, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his toxic mission in a toxic world. And one of the main ways that we allow him to do that in our lives is through toxic sin. If you were here the past uh, year and a half or you may have heard me mention it before, you know that we were going through the book of Genesis. Anybody here for any of the Genesis messages? The 56th weeks of Genesis. (laughs) Yes. Um, Genesis is chock full of people who are filled with uh, temptation just like you and I for toxic sin and they are choosing their own way over God's way, giving in to our spiritual enemy. Do you remember the first sin in history? Shout it out. Yeah. Eating what? Yeah. Just eating? Okay, okay. Eating is not a sin, but yes, eating that which God forbids. Adam and Eve, the first sin, they were tempted and by their spiritual enemy, and they gave in, and they disobeyed God, and they tried to cover it up, and they tried to pass the blame, and they tried to stretch the truth about their disobedience. Next up, we had Cain and Abel. If you remember Cain and Abel, he said, don't be like Cain, including your pastor sometimes. <laughs> pastor Cain. No. Uh, don't be like Cain, because what did Cain do? He killed his brother, Abel. That's right. Uh, they thought he wasn't Abel, but... <laughs> Sorry. Uh-huh. But what did he try to do after he was tempted to sin in his anger? He tried to cover it up and he said, Oh God, yeah, uh, I haven't seen my brother lately. Uh, I don't know, I don't know. You're asking about him and am I my brother's keeper? I don't know. Who knows what happened to him? He tried to cover up his sin with deceit, with lie, with disobedience. Not a great plan for him. And then we closed out our uh, Genesis series with a bunch of weeks on Joseph. And if you remember Joseph, one of the most famous uh, characters in the Bible, one of the famous people throughout history, really, the Bible's history. What happened with him? Oh, his brothers got jealous of his coat of many colors that his father gave him. And they said, they they hatched this plan, they concocted a very elaborate scheme. And they said, we're going to kill Joseph. And because he's dad's favorite and we are really frustrated by that, really annoying. Well, they stopped short of killing him and instead they sold him into slavery, which isn't a whole lot better, kind of a death sentence for a lot of people back then. We know that God worked through that, but what did they do when they got back to their dad? They lied. That's right. They got this animal skin. Uh, Well, no, they cut up an animal and they, they put the blood on Joseph's robe, right? And they said, dad, dad. Oh, we don't know what happened. Who, who could have thought? I don't know. Look, there's his robe and there's his blood. I think it's his blood. Apparently it's his blood. Who, who could have thought? I don't know how it got there. He must be gone. Dad, I don't know. He looks dead to me. How about you? Let's not talk about this ever again. <laughs> don't ask me if I'm lying. Deceit. Covering up their toxic sin. They gave in to their spiritual enemy. They sin, they try to cover it up again and again and again and again and again. Someone sins, they deny it, they try to cover it up, lather, rinse, repeat, the cycle continues all throughout history, all throughout their lives, all throughout our lives, hopefully less if we have that changed and renewed heart transformation, sanctification process, but we won't be fully sinless until Jesus returns and until then Too often when we do something wrong and we do something hurtful and we do something toxic and we sin against somebody else, what do we do? We often deny it and try to conceal it and try to hide our sin thinking nobody will know. We try to hide our toxic actions thinking that we won't be found out. And if we won't be found out, then we can continue on as if nothing happened. And we can try to live this lie, continue on our life, living out this lie that we didn't do that or that. Um, but just because we hide it, that doesn't mean we didn't do damage. We're doing damage, great damage to ourselves. We're doing great damage to other people. And if we conceal it and if we hide it and try to cover up our lie, our sin, and not let people know, in fact, the damage is worse. It's often worse than if we had just told the truth, just confess, just apologize. We often make things Uh, destroy things much more if we try to hide it, conceal it, just like all these people in Genesis throughout the scriptures. And in our life, we know how that works. So if you want to write this down, first thought we're going to focus on is we must stop hiding and start seeking. Are you hiding things in your life? Everybody, just shout out your deepest, darkest sin. Anybody? (laughs) Anybody? We're going to have a time of confession. Just raise your hand. We'll go one by one. Uh, Don't all line up here. Let's get all the skeletons out of our closet. It's hard, isn't it? As humans, we tend to conceal. We hide because we don't don't want to be that person that does those things, that says those things, that thinks those things in secret, in private, that other people don't know about. We don't like that person. And we try to keep that person away from other people. Try to hide who we are, some of the sins that we do. But we've got to stop hiding and start seeking God. Turn with me to 2 Samuel. If you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, you can open up to 2 Samuel chapter 11. We're going to see, uh, take a look at David today. David, he was called a man after God's own heart. David, a man after God's own heart. And we're going to read about some of the things we did. He did. And you're going to say to yourself, This was a dude after God's own heart. What is this guy is sinful and messed up and evil and wicked and wrong. And he was human. He was a man after God's own heart, but he still had his flaws, just like all of us do. And he had difficulty controlling his toxic actions. Second Samuel chapter 11, verse one. Let's read in the spring of the year when kings normally go out to war. David was at home, and he sent Joab, the Israelite army, to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. This is almost like, some of you watch soap operas. This is kind of like your soap opera, Hallie, Carol, whatever, (coughs) you guys. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace the bold and the beautiful. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was and he was told she is Bathsheba, which I always thought was ironic. She was taking a bath. She's Bathsheba. <laughs> anyway, kind of funny. The daughter of all the names to have, of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her and when she came to his, the palace, he slept with her. She had just completed the purification rites after having her menstrual period Then she returned home. Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, I'm pregnant. Then David sent word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite, her husband. So Joab sent him to David. When Uriah arrived, David asked him how Joab and the army were going. How's it going, buddy? And how the war was progressing. Not great (laughs) here, David. Then he told Uriah, go home. And relax. Be with your wife. David even sent a gift to Uriah after he left the palace, but Uriah didn't go home. He slept that night at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. When David heard that Uriah had not gone home, he summoned him and asked, What's the matter? Uh, Why didn't you go home last night after being away for so long so I could cover up this sin? Uriah replied, the ark and the armies of Israel and Judah are living in tents. And Joab and my master's men are camping in the open fields. How could I go home to wine and dine and sleep with my wife? I swear that I would never do such a thing. He has honor, something David doesn't have here. Verse 12. Well, uh, stay here today, David told him, and tomorrow you may return to the army. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem that day and the next. Then David invited him to dinner and got him drunk. Plan B. But even then, he couldn't get Uriah to go home to his wife. Again, he slept at the palace entrance with the palace guard, still having honor. Verse 14. So the next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab, plan C, and gave it to Uriah to deliver. The letter instructed Joab, station Uriah on the front lines where the battle is fiercest, then pull back so that he will be killed. Dude, David, seriously? Yes. Verse 16. So Joab assigned Uriah to a spot close to the city wall where he knew the enemy's strongest men were fighting And when the enemy soldiers came out of the city to fight, Uriah the Hittite was killed, along with several other Israelite soldiers. Then Joab sent a battle report to David. He told his messenger, report all the news of the battle to the king. But he might get angry and ask, why did the troops go so close to the city? Didn't they know there would be shooting from the walls? Wasn't Abimelech, son of Gideon, killed by Thebaz, by a woman who threw a millstone down on him from the wall? That's going to leave a mark. Why would you get so close to the wall? Then tell him, Uriah the Hittite was killed too. So the messenger went to Jerusalem and gave a complete report to David. The enemy came out against us in the open fields, he said. And as we chased them back to the city gate, the archers on the wall shot arrows at us. Some of the king's men were killed, uh, including Uriah the Hittite. Well, tell Job not to be discouraged, David said. The sword devours this one today and that one tomorrow. Fight harder next time and conquer the city. What a lie, David. Lies covering lies. Verse 26. Then Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead. And she mourned for him. When the period of mourning was over, David sent for her and brought her to the palace. And she became one of his wives. One of his wives. You got so many wives, and yet you're going after this guy's one wife. Then she gave birth to a son, but the Lord was displeased with what David had done. You can stop there. David wasn't where he was supposed to be. He saw what he wasn't supposed to see. And he did what he wasn't supposed to do. And it cost him More than he ever planned to pay. And that's what toxic sin does in our life. David came up with plan A, plan B, and plan C to try and conceal his sin. Lies on top of lies. And how did that work out for him? Not good. Didn't Dr. Phil say that? How's that working for you? (laughs) And that always means it's not working good, David. Not working good. But how many times are you and I, just like Adam and Eve, just like Cain, just like Joseph's brothers, just like David here doing our toxic sin, trying to cover it up. I know it wasn't a good idea. I know I shouldn't have done that. I know I shouldn't have looked at that. I know I shouldn't have said that. I know I shouldn't have hurt that person. I know, I know, I know, I know. But I was tempted to do it in the moment, and I just did it, and it felt good in the moment. Uh, But now I'm in trouble. Now I sin. Now i got to cover it up. The truth is, though, no matter how hard we try to hide our sins, okay, sometimes we even we put on this mask, And we say thank you. You know, we 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 have this facade. We wear this church mask or this happy face to people around us, and we sort of put on this portrayal of I'm 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 a happy person. Uh, nothing's ever wrong, and life's going great. And how are you good? How are you good? Nice to meet you. Hey, hey, hey. Good to see you, Sunday And we we put on this front, and we kind of try to pretend like we're Iron Man or Iron Woman, and we have this facade, this portrayal, this pretend image that we want to exhibit to the world, that we're pretty super, we're a hero, everything's going great, my kids are great, the marriage is great, the work is great, everything's great, and we put on this mask to try and hide our messed up lives from other people, to try and hide who we are from the world. We put on this mask, but no matter how much we try to hide, no matter how many webs of deceit and lies we try to spin, no matter how hard we try to hide our secrets, or uh, how often we lie to ourselves about who we really are, Now, how, no matter how often we lie to other people about who we are, no matter how much we try to play the victim and it wasn't my fault and they did it and she started it and, and I'm not responsible no matter how much we try to do that or no matter how much how much we try to, to cling on to these things that we know we'll lose if I tell them this secret, if I admit that I did this, if I admit that I was wrong or that I hurt this person, then I'm going to lose my marriage, I'm going to lose my kids, I'm going to lose my job, I'm going to lose my car, I'm going to lose these possessions or, or whatever it is. We try to cling onto these things, put up this facade, this mask, but no matter how hard we try to do that, it never works, does it? We'll always get found out. It's kind of like Luke, he writes these words. He says, For all that is secret will eventually be brought out into the open. Just imagine that. Like we're sharing all the skeletons in your closet, in my closet today. All the secret will eventually be brought out into the open. And if you have secrets that would destroy your marriage, destroy your life, destroy your job, destroy your relationships, destroy your finances, it may be time to confess those. We'll talk about that in a few minutes before things get worse. But Luke says everything, the secret will eventually be brought out to the open and everything that's concealed will eventually uh, be brought to light and made known to all. You ever see these politicians or these Hollywood actors or these high profile athletic sports people, uh, people in the news and public figures and something get found out about them and it just destroys everything. This lie, this secret that they were concealing for years, this abuse that they did, this drugs, this whatever that they did, how they hurt these people in their past. Eventually, it all comes out. Eventually, we all reap what we sow. Our sins will find us out. No matter how clever we think we are, we cannot hide forever from anything. We can't hide anything from God, and we can barely hide things from other people. Sometimes, though, we say so many lies that we start believing those lies, and then we're really in trouble, aren't we? So easy. So easy to put on a mask. So easy to play the game. So easy to act like somebody that we're not to put on a a good face when our heart is filthy and filled with sin. So let me ask us a couple questions. Where are you pretending in your life? What mask have you been wearing? What are you trying to cover up? Do you have a a secret addiction that is filling your heart? Maybe some things we've talked about this summer, uh, lust or greed or envy or anger or gluttony or Uh, laziness or maybe it's anger or pride I think I said anger Uh, are are you covering up self-harm or uh, maybe your your shopping sprees or your gambling addiction or your drug or alcohol addiction or maybe you're going too far with somebody who's your boyfriend or girlfriend or maybe you're going too far starting things with somebody who's not your husband or wife maybe you are uh, stealing from your employer Maybe you're lying about your feelings, uh, lying to your spouse uh, or somebody you love. Maybe you're idolizing success or material possessions. Maybe you've been gossiping about your friends to make yourself look better. What sin have you been concealing in your heart? And I'm preaching to myself this morning also. Eventually, I went to pick out a mask this morning and I was like, oh no, it's cracked. Like the kids broke it and you know, kids break things and it's just over time things break and I was like, oh, wait a second. Eventually we get cracks in our mask, don't we? Eventually the truth starts to come out and the lies uh, start to break and, and we can't lie, keep lying. Lies on top of lies and the truth is discovered and eventually your mask will crack and break and the light, the truth will come out. And I thought, well, that crack works out pretty well. So what are you covering up in your life? If you choose, if you and I choose to keep hiding our sin, um, this toxic sin will only take us further than we want it to go, like David, and we will be paying the price more than we ever wanted to pay, more than we ever thought we'd pay. But if we're willing to seek God's mercy and his forgiveness in our life and face the consequences with the people who are affected by our sin, uh, then we'll experience... Liberation and joy. Some difficulty, yes, but working through that—that's um, what God wants for us. Liberation from the lies, truth, and freedom from this filthy sin in our heart. It's time to stop hiding. And stop. Start seeking God. So, how do we how do we detox our souls? How do we uh, experience clean and? and fresh power in our Christian faith. Last thought, you can write this down. We confess our sins to others, to God and others. We confess our sins to God and others. Uh, A lot of verses in your notes, like always, you can look back on those this week. Solomon wrote this in Proverbs. I'll just read it real quick. People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Anybody want to prosper? Anybody want a blessed marriage, kids, relationship, job, finances? Yeah, I do. If we confess, if conceal our sins, though, we will not prosper. But if we confess and turn from them, we'll receive mercy and forgiveness. Let's follow up with David. See what happened to David? If you're still there or you want to turn again, 2 Samuel 12. So, what happened with David? God knew that David's unconfessed sin in his life was going to destroy him and his country and the, his nation and his people. And so he, he sent uh, Nathan to help David to confront him in his sins. To help him be free and be clean of this sin. And mercifully sent Nathan to correct David to do what's right. So let's take a look. Second uh, Samuel verse, chapter 12, verse 1. So the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David the story. He gives him this parable. Okay, David, there were two men in a certain town. One was rich, one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb that he had bought. He raised that little lamb and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate, kind of gross, and drank from his cup. But some of you do that with your dogs, all right? So don't do it. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. One day a guest arrived at the home of the rich man, but instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb... He had only one, and killed it, and prepared it for his guest. David heard the story, and he was furious, as surely as the Lord lives. he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the man, to the poor man, for the one he stole, and for having no pity. Then Nathan said to David, "You are that man."." <sighs> The Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdom, kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. Verse 9. Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? For you have murdered Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the Ammonites and stolen his wife. From this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. This is what the Lord says, because of what you have done, I will cause your own household to rebel against you. I will give your wives to another man before your very eyes and he will go to bed with them in public view. You did it secretly, but I will make this happen to you openly in the sight of all Israel. Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you and you won't die for this sin. Nevertheless, because you have shown utter contempt for the Lord by doing this, your child will die. And there. Stop there. Pause there. Whew, this is some severe consequences for David's actions. Our sins, whether secret or public, they have consequences. They have repercussions. They caught up with David here and they'll catch up with you and me too. But do you notice David's response? David's response wasn't, oh, it's not fair, and I just wanted that woman, and I don't have enough women, and you know it's their fault, and it's Uriah's fault he didn't do that. And blame, blame. He didn't blame. He didn't excuse. He didn't play the victim. And this always happens to me. He wasn't spiteful. He wasn't bitter. He wasn't angry, except at himself. He didn't hulk out on Nathan and just try to destroy him throw a huge temper tandem, tantrum when he was caught and he didn't just have remorse for he, that he was caught you know a lot of people, a lot of us when we get caught in our life, when we get caught in our sin we go, I'm so sorry that I got caught that I got caught a lot of people in jail right now are so sorry that they got caught a lot of us that didn't get caught Yet, are so sorry that we got caught, but not by the police, right? It's that remorse. Every time you speed and the cop pulls you over, you didn't stop at the stop sign. We are so sorry in our hearts that we got caught. (laughs) Not because we're going to go from that cop, and guess what we're going to do? We're going to speed away. (laughs) Or maybe that's just me. (laughs) There's some shame in the moment, sure. Our sins, secret sins, have been made public. But David didn't just have remorse that he got caught. He had true repentance of his heart. He, in the depths of his soul, acknowledged the weight of his sin and realized how uh, much he had sinned against God and sinned against Uriah, kind of sinned against the nation of Israel. How much he had sinned against Bathsheba, sinned against himself. Done this evil, wicked, toxic... Sin. Tried to cover it up. He didn't just have remorse, though. He had repentance. Let's take a look. Psalm 51. This is the last uh, passage we're going to turn to. Let's take a look at the depth of David's repentance. And you can see, you can tell when you read this, this is not just, I'm sorry, I got caught. Oops, I got caught. I'm going to sin better next time and cover it up better next time. (laughs) That's how we do too often. But this is his broken heart, deeply remorseful, repentant. Psalm 51, verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, David says, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sin. Wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Created me a clean heart. Oh God, I really want to be different. He says, verse 10, renew a loyal spirit within me or a right spirit. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. You can pray this prayer too in Psalm 51. Pray this this week. Then I will teach your ways to rebels, and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer you one. You do not want a burnt offering. The the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. Do you and I have a broken spirit over our sin? You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Will you and I have a broken and repentant spirit over our sin? Or will we just be upset that we got caught, try to sin better next time, try to cover up our tracks, and, and not really change our hearts, change our minds? You know what repentance is, right? You're going this way, following the world's ways, your natural sinful ways, Repentance is a 180 turn in the opposite direction, away from your ways and towards God's best ways of living. That's what repentance is. And a broken heart that causes that change in your life, in our life. Are you Are going to keep pretending? Are you going to keep wearing that mask? It's our choice every day whether we want to play that game. Conceal, hide our sin, not confess, Act like we don't have a problem. Act like it's not a big deal. Act like we got it under control. Lie into ourselves and lying to everybody around us but the cracks are starting to show and our the web of lies that we have weaved will eventually start to unravel. We've got to take off our masks. We've got to confess our sins to God and others so that we may be healed. I'll close with a few verses. John writes, uh, you know, no matter how far you've Gone, no matter what you've done, John writes these words, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. David knew that. And you can know that today too. And like the author of the book of James wrote about others who've been affected by our sins. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So yeah, we need to confess to God. Absolutely imperative, important. We also need to confess our sins to others. Oh, and that part's kind of hard. Because we hurt them. You know, God's not going to tell anybody what we did. But that person, they're now, they know now about what we did, how we hurt them, how we hurt somebody else. But there's healing in that. You're going to have to pick up the broken pieces sometimes from your Confession. From the lies, from the sin that we've been covering up. Pick up those broken pieces and start to make something new again. And it's going to be hard. It is absolutely perhaps one of the hardest things in life to confess our sins to other people. Because it's us admitting that we are deep down following our evil, wicked, sinful nature. And just like Paul says, sometimes we do what we don't want to do. And we don't do what we really want to do in our new nature. And we hate that. Don't you hate that part about yourself that sins and and does and hurts other people? Lies and conceals. We hate that part. And exposing that raw, real, deep down dark part of ourselves, that skeleton in the closet, is maybe some of the bravest things we can do in our life. That God calls us to do. And James says, the author of the book of James says, brings healing. Do you want healing in your life? Don't keep covering, concealing your sin. And don't wait until it's too late. Tomorrow's not promised for any of us. Instead, today, today, you can uncover God's forgiveness and mercy and grace through His Son Jesus for your sin. By confessing to him and to other people. I want to close by uh, reading just a a passage from this book. uh, We're basing this series, Toxic, on this book, uh, Soul Detox, by Craig Rochelle. You can read the whole thing if you want, or listen to it. But I want to read this passage, uh, this couple pages here. This is what he has to say about this topic. Toxic uh, Actions. Several years ago at our church, I witnessed these principles acted out in a life-altering way. He says, a single man confessed openly to the men and women in his small group that he'd been praying about a problem for years, and he'd never told another person. Choking back tears, he humbly admitted that he struggled with an addiction to pornography. That night, a young lady I'll call Marla was participating in the group for the first time. She was a brand new Christian and very nervous to be part of a small group Bible study. She told me later that the moment the guy confessed his sin, she could barely catch her breath. She was certain the group would turn on him, attack him. What happened next helped Marla to make a pivotal decision that changed the direction of her life. After the guy confessed his lustful problem, instead of looking down on him, everyone in the group embraced him. Another guy talked openly about his past struggles. Uh, Then a woman in the group shared that porn had gripped her during one season of her life too. She explained how Christ and her friends had helped her overcome it. Each person encouraged the guy in their own way. And then everyone joined hands and prayed passionately for their brother in Christ. Seeing firsthand the unconditional love and acceptance moved Marla to take a risk. Trembling with emotion, she explained to her newfound spiritual family that she'd gotten pregnant in high school. And the father of her baby skipped out, leaving her to raise her son by herself. Struggling to make ends meet. She'd taken a job as an exotic dancer. She despised her job and knew it was wrong, but the money was good and paid the bills. She'd given anything anything to quit her degrading job and felt trapped with no way out. That's when a chain reaction of miracles started to unfold. Just as when the guy confessed his sin, the group expressed to Marla the same love and acceptance. A group member boldly told her, If you quit your job, I'll give you money to help cover the bills. Like the closing scene from It's a Wonderful Life, When everyone brings George Bailey money to help him in his time of need, everyone in the group started pledging financial help. Within minutes, the small group committed enough money to last her a couple of months. Marla couldn't believe what was happening. It was as if God himself reached down and hugged her through his people. The next day, the emboldened follower of Christ marched into the club where she worked and told the manager she was finished and never coming back. On Tuesday, one of the small group members pulled a favor from a friend and got Marla an interview at his company. The manager liked Marla and on Wednesday, because of God's goodness through his wife, Marla started a new job and a new life. Marla could have confessed her sins to God and been forgiven, but when she confessed to God's people, she found healing. Now she is helping other girls find the same freedom she knows, armed with God's spirit And the strength of her family, Marla launched a ministry to help other girls escape the stripping industry. He closes with this. If you've been living a toxic lie, hiding sins from others, it's time to drop your guard and invite others to help. Confess to God. He sent Jesus to die for your sins. He wants to forgive you, but don't stop there. Take the next step and confess it to other people. Do it. Experience the healing power of God's love through his people. But rather than sinking into the quicksand of sin, you can swim in the clean water of God's forgiveness and cleansing love. And we'll close on that. And sing praises to God for His forgiveness and cleansing love today. Amen. Father, surrender is really, really, really hard sometimes. But I pray you would empower us with your spirit to surrender, to give to you every single part of our life, holding nothing back, to confess all our sins to you, to confess our sins to others and find healing. Put in our mind this week, what next steps do we need to take from your words today in the scriptures from David's example so you can cleanse us, make us new give us mercy and grace and forgiveness through your son Jesus we praise you we thank you for him, the greatest gift of all time that changes our lives and changes our eternity and in his name everybody said Amen U.S., truth be told. <laughs> truth be told. I don't know if I... Truth I've, be told. I don't know if read I, the lyrics to her, it. I don't know if I heard that one. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Look at that snow. Yeah.
1: Say, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. But I'm not. Mm, and you know it. Yeah, that's right, good. Yeah. 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 yeah.